Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. You're listening to Truly Criminal, the home of true crime. To see the video version of this case, including the footage and photos, you can find us on YouTube. Just search for Truly Criminal. Grove City, Ohio. Once a big farming community, Grove City is the perfect place for locals and tourists. Anyone that loves the great outdoors, lots of history and culture. There is many a state park nearby, and people have the chance to do everything from hiking and kayaking to playing in paintballing parks and pumpkin picking. It is also about a 15-minute drive from Ohio State University, which looks after about 60,000 students. And in 2017, one of those proud students was 21-year-old Reagan Delaney Tokes. Her family had just moved from Ohio to Florida for work, but Reagan had stayed put in Columbus. Ohio State was the only university she wanted to get into, and therefore the only one she cared to apply for. Her dad Toby had taken her to a football game there when she was little, And since then, her decision was made. She was so confident, in fact, that she told everyone she had got a place before she had even heard back. But sure enough, she was accepted and threw herself into it in every way. Her major was psychology and she already had a job lined up for after college. Her plan was to do this for a few years and then open up her own practice. Reagan was a big family girl and very close to her father Toby, her mother Lisa and her younger sister Mackenzie, who she playfully called Gigi. She talked to them numerous times a day, and no matter how busy she was with college, she always made time for everyone. Her mum said she had been a big ball of energy since she was a baby, instantly ready to take on anything. She said her daughter's compassion was evident from the youngest age, and she was always drawn to anyone by themselves that looked like they needed a friend. Lisa said she would often have to wait in the road while Reagan picked up little bugs to save them from being walked on because she couldn't bear to see anything or anyone being hurt. The Tokes family spent a lot of time at church and, during the holiday periods, Reagan would often travel and do missions for the church as well. She was described as funny and goofy, a real chatterbox and a social butterfly. Reagan loved all things sports, playing varsity tennis and lacrosse. So, with everything to do in Grove City, it was the perfect place for her. She lived off campus with her four roommates, Jackie, Madison, Kirsten and Stephanie. They had all been put together at random, but there was an instant click, and they quickly became the closest of friends. A few of them even worked together at the same local restaurant. Reagan had had a tough time lately, however, as she and her boyfriend Jake had mutually split. Reagan was so focused on finishing her degree and coming out with top marks that they had agreed it was best to get their studies out of the way with no distractions. And after that, whatever was meant to be would be. 
Her roommate said she had taken the breakup hard, but the pair still talked a lot and said they would always be best friends. As she was now coming to the end of her final year, she posted on social media about her father buying her a nice frame for her diploma, and it was clearly an emotional time for her. In February 2017, she was just a few months away from graduating, busier than ever trying to get everything ticked off. On the evening of February the 8th, Reagan left her apartment to head to a shift at Bodega Bar and Restaurant. All was fairly quiet that evening, and she clocked off just before 10pm, heading to her car which she, along with others, always parked in the street behind the restaurant. Reagan always messaged everyone to tell them she had made it back home. Everyone was a thousand miles away from her, and she never wanted anyone to worry. But this evening, no messages came in, despite the fact she had been texting her dad only an hour before she left. Her sister Mackenzie messaged her at 10.30pm. The message was delivered, but there was no reply. Over the next four hours, Toby called and texted her repeatedly, but her phone just rang and rang. At around 2am, the ring stopped, and it seemed that her battery had died. The following morning, everyone woke up and checked their phones right away. No replies, and no missed calls from Reagan. Had she got into a car accident on the way home, or was it something totally innocent like she went to a friend's house and just hadn't taken her charger? Although they wanted to believe it was the latter... Deep down, they knew this wasn't like her, and it would have been impossible for her to ignore so much activity on her phone, nor would she have wanted to. Back at her accommodation, Kirsten knocked on Reagan's door, but her room was empty. Her bed was neatly made, and her school bag was on the side. Jackie, Madison and Stephanie hadn't heard her come home either, and a feeling of unease began to set in with them as well. They started posting to social media and ringing around other classmates. Lisa called the university and they confirmed that Reagan hadn't turned up to her morning class. It was now all too much, so she hung up and called the police. But whoever she spoke to said she was unable to file a missing persons report, as she wasn't the last person to have seen her. The last person or people would have been those at Bodega, so Reagan's roommates went back there. Her manager said she had definitely been and left that night, and although her car was not parked outside there was evidence that she had left in it. He wasted no time and successfully managed to file the missing persons report. So we had a uh, employee leave work last night, and she has not been home. Uh, her phone is off. Nobody can find her because she hasn't been home at all either. Her mom's been calling, uh, looking for um, We can't find her car around work. As everybody was still searching... At about noon, dispatchers got a call from a distressed member of the public. Hello, number one. Yeah, I think there's a body out here. I don't know if this is a fake or what. Please send somebody. Hurry. This is really freaking awesome. Please hurry, send somebody. Okay, stay right there, sir. Near an entrance to a park in Grove City, he had found the naked body of a young woman partially buried under the snow. When police arrived, it was clear that she was already dead. She had no purse or phone on her, and none of her clothes were nearby either. She had a small tattoo of a circle and a small necklace. But apart from that, there was nothing around that might help identify her. The 
are continuing to follow developing news after a young woman's body was found outside Scioto Grove Metro Park. Also, no official word quite yet as to who this body belongs to. Of course, once we learn that information, hopefully today, we will be sure to pass it on to you. It could have been a random act. It could have been somebody that just occurred someplace else and she was dumped here. Just after 3 p.m., her roommates, who were still at Bodega, caught wind that the body of a young woman had been found, and when police arrived to take their missing persons report, they asked them about the small tattoo. They felt sick to their stomachs, as they said Reagan had a tattoo that matched it. And we are also following a case from OSU where a female student has been reported missing. According to the university's statement, they are aware of the missing persons report and direct any questions to Columbus police. And a few hours later, the news that everyone had been trying to avoid thinking about would soon be confirmed. They had found the body of Reagan Tokes. A missing persons case in Columbus is now a murder investigation. Police have confirmed the body found yesterday in a Grove City Park is an OSU student. 21-year-old Regan Tokes was last seen Wednesday night leaving a bar in the short north where she worked. And tonight, we have team coverage with reaction from OSU students and employees who work in the short north. The Columbus Police Missing Persons Report says that according to a Bodega employee, Tokes usually has a bartender walk her to her car, but didn't when she left. Wednesday night. Thursday afternoon, Toke's body was spotted by a motorist at Scioto Grove Metro Park in Grove City. Investigators are now trying to fill in the timeline and identify a suspect. Did she make it to her car? Niall Woodson says it would be potentially easy for something to go unseen on those streets behind Bodega. There's one light here on the block which, you know, keeps this area bright, um, but the whole next block is very dark. It's very dark. There's not a street light for uh, another block down. So did something happen here or somewhere else? Was her killer someone she knew or a total stranger? If investigators know the answers, they're not saying. Toke's roommates did tell police she was recently depressed over a breakup with her ex-boyfriend, but they stated to their knowledge it was a mutual breakup. An autopsy confirmed that she had been raped and shot in the back of the head and in the side of her face, the bullets still lodged in her head. Experts could tell she had been shot from behind, and it was almost a close-range execution-style killing. Police said it was unclear as to whether she was shot where she was found, or if she was killed elsewhere and moved, as they couldn't find any shell casings. Word was travelling so fast, the police couldn't keep a lid on things. This resulted in Reagan's sister Mackenzie learning of her sister's death via an Instagram post. Lisa said her daughter had no enemies, and there was no one she could think of that would have wanted to hurt her, let alone do something like this. But in Ohio, there was something else at the back of everyone's minds, something that had been plaguing the community for a while. In the previous weeks, the area had been hit with a string of attacks and burglaries, each one more frightening than the last. People were being grabbed from behind and threatened or attacked with a gun or knife, and the perpetrator, who was always wearing a mask, demanded their bags or wallets. Residents are on high alert tonight after last night's latest armed robbery. This is the third attack in this neighborhood in two weeks. All of the victims are women. NBC4's Tyler Carter is live from German Village tonight, where residents have called a safety meeting. Tyler? 
Yes, Ellie, since that last attack last night, the German Village Society called a meeting with Columbus police in residence is going on right now in their headquarters. They want to know exactly what is going on in this neighborhood and residents I spoke with say they are not taking these attacks lightly. I heard someone yell help and so I ran outside and half of the neighbors were already out here. Last night, just before 10 o'clock, a woman who lives in this German village neighborhood on Mohawk and Frankfurt Street was robbed by gunpoint and attacked. Columbus police say the woman was getting things out of the trunk of her car when a man walked up behind her and demanded she give him her purse. Police didn't know who the person was or if the attacks were connected, but was it possible that Reagan being killed was linked to these? One woman who was subjected to one of these attacks said the minute she heard what had happened to Reagan, she felt in her gut that it was all connected, believing that the man who had attacked her would absolutely have killed her if he had the chance. But investigators had little to go on with these leads, and the interviews had to start with those closest to her, including her ex-boyfriend, Jake. He was instantly put on the police's radar, as not only had they just broken up, he had posted to Instagram about her death, and detectives said something about the post gave them a strange feeling. When was the last time you talked to her? Probably a week and a half ago. Is that normal? Um, well, not usually. I, I, I talk to her every day, but we're breaking out, kind of. It's just we didn't have enough time really for each other. We had to focus on school. She even said it in one of the texts. I mean, I'm one of her best friends. Okay, Jake. Let me ask you this. Don't okay. this the wrong way. Okay. Why in the world would you write out that you're in a better place? Well, can I see what I am? I was talking to her like she, like, I don't know, like she's in heaven. We just don't hear very often better place when somebody was living a good life. Well, no, I know, but if I were to go today, I would know that I would go somewhere better. That's just what I believe, so. You said you posted on Instagram? Yes, sir. But Reagan's roommate said there was absolutely no way he could have been involved. He adored her and the couple had never even argued. Jake was devastated about it all and was just trying to process things in the best way he could. There was really nothing to look into as far as his post went. It was just a tribute from someone who had lost someone very close to him. His alibi checked out and the police moved on with their investigations. The camera inside Bodega could only capture a little bit of her leaving but it didn't seem that anyone was watching or following her. Using license plate technology, detectives were finally able to locate Reagan's car. It had been parked up on a residential street not too far away. There had clearly been an attempt made to set fire to it, with cigarette burns throughout and the smell of gasoline inside. But this hadn't worked, and officers were able to collect several items. Some cigarette butts, a gas canister and a few ATM receipts were taken in for testing and analysis. The ATM receipts showed that several attempts had been made to withdraw large sums of money, but these had been declined. One successful withdrawal was made, which was for $60. As they waited to have more information from the banks, the community was grappling with what had happened. A lot of students were now worried about walking to and from campus by themselves, wondering if they could be next, and the university and police had little to say to comfort or reassure them. News of Reagan's death, people who work in the service industry in the Short North say they're worried about their own safety. NBC4's Olivia Fecto is live in the Short North tonight and spoke to talk to uh, some of those employees. Olivia. 
Mark, a longtime bartender at Martini's, which is another restaurant and bar here in the Short North, says that the people who work in the service industry here in the Short North are very close-knit. So, of course, they were devastated to hear the news that one of their own who worked here at Bodegas was missing and then was found dead. I talked to that woman earlier today, and she, again, is a bartender a long time. She says while she usually uses public transportation to get to her job, a lot of servers and bartenders who work around here do drive to work, and some of them have to drive and park far away from their workplaces. I mean, parking is an issue down there um, and is a safety issue because, like, a lot of these places are not lit, you know, where we're parking. A lot of these um, public parking areas are not full of lights, you know, and so it can be a safety issue for us. She by no means deserved any amount of harm, you know, sent her away. So, yeah, anybody with information, yeah, please come forward because, you know, we need, we need to get justice for Reagan. You know, one of those people that you meet and you just, you don't forget. There's been a lot of hugs, a lot of crying, um, and it's, it's sad, but, you know, this really puts in perspective um, how close we all really are with each other. She was a loving, awesome, amazing person. I know she was studying at OSU, and she had a great personality, super warm and welcoming. I'm like, this can't happen here. I haven't slept all night. I'm serious. I mean, that's all I've been thinking about it's all night long. Reagan Tokes' missing car was found on Oakwood Avenue on Columbus's east side. The Ohio Bureau of Criminal Investigation is assisting Grove City Police with this investigation, and they're asking the public for help in the search for clues. Anyone with information can call the Ohio BCI tip line. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Jake organized a fundraiser for the Tokes family with the hopes that it would one day go towards setting up a scholarship in Reagan's name. She loved her university and had been so ready and excited to graduate, and he knew she would want to give something back to another student. It soon raised almost $100,000. 48 hours after Reagan's body was found, detectives had their first solid lead. CCTV linked to the ATM receipts showed that it was Reagan withdrawing and attempting to withdraw the money at those times. And although they couldn't see who was in the car with her, they were confident that someone was in there and they were likely forcing her to do it. It wasn't long before the officers got a hit on the DNA on the cigarette butts and they were shocked that it was so fast. But it was because it would come back to somebody already in the police's system someone with a lot of past convictions, a 29-year-old called Brian Lee Goldsby, and he had only been out of prison for a few months. He was known to police in many different areas, and the more they looked into Brian's history, the more frightening it all became. He had been committing crimes since he was a child and was now a convicted Tier 3 sex offender. According to a juvenile sex offender assessment filed by the Ohio Department of Youth Services, he had raped five-year-old girls and six-year-old boys as an adolescent. 
His crimes had continued and in 2011 he had abducted a woman who was eight months pregnant at the time, along with her two-year-old son, holding them at knife point. He had sexually assaulted her in front of her child and forced her to drive to different ATMs to take out money. He then made her drive to her house where he assaulted her again, forced her to wash herself and brush her teeth to get rid of any DNA and stole some things before fleeing. There was enough evidence from inside the car, however, to send him to trial, but the victim was so traumatised she couldn't face testifying, so Brian took a plea deal. He went from being charged with two armed robberies, rape and kidnapping, to pleading guilty to robbery and attempted rape. He got six years in prison, but was released several months early. After he was let out, he had gone to stay in temporary housing, which was monitored, but officials at the housing programme and his parole officer had not been properly supervising him, despite the fact he was labelled as high risk and wearing an ankle monitor the whole time. He had repeatedly violated the terms of his probation and from looking at his monitor, it was clear that the attacks and robberies in the weeks before Reagan was killed were all linked to Brian. Everything was connected. Despite everything his monitor was showing, people were shocked to learn that the information collected from the monitors does not go directly to the police. The data will normally go to the privately owned companies that make them, and then it is up to them to pass it all on. In this case, this hadn't been done or checked on, and he had no curfews associated with his monitor. Brian's monitor had placed him in all of the locations Reagan had been that night, starting with being right near Reagan's car. Every street and every ATM was connected to him, and they could back this up with CCTV footage. They also found footage of him buying the gas canister that was found in Reagan's car. Results from the rape test kit came back too, and this was also a match for Brian Goldsby. On February 11th at 4am, a SWAT team stormed his house okay. and placed him in handcuffs. Yeah, the handcuffs. Oh, yeah. You get one? Yeah. Hold on you real quick. Talk about anything if you ask a question, all that stuff. Just, yeah. just, just tell them Nick's going to talk to him, and that's all that, 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 the only answer to give him. Yep. Okay. He went into a six-hour interview with the same detectives that had arrested him six years prior. Brian seemed upset and said he had nothing to do with Reagan's death or sexual assault. He did admit that he had been in her car, however, but he said that the only thing he was interested in was robbing her. He said he had forced his way into her car and made her drive to various cash points, and later the park, where he told her to strip down, turn around, and wait 30 minutes before she left. He then sped off in her car before dumping it. He was adamant that she was alive when he left. Police asked if there was anyone else involved, hoping to get him to trip himself up if he tried to blame another person. As officers started presenting the DNA evidence, he then changed his story. He said he was there when Reagan was shot, but denied being her killer. He told them it was all down to a man named TJ, who he owed some money to. Brian claimed that after they had got the money from Reagan, 
He assumed that they would let her go, but he said TJ had forced him to rape her before TJ pulled the gun on her. Why on earth would he do this, detectives asked. Brian said he didn't know, but TJ was threatening to hurt his children and he had to protect them. He said that Reagan had tearfully said over and over, all I want to do is live. Brian said that TJ had told Reagan to strip and start walking into the field. He then shot her once in the back of the head, went and stood over her before shooting her in the side of her face. His account of what happened and what she had said was so specific, officers knew he was talking about himself. There was nothing found in Reagan's car that pointed towards anyone else being in it, apart from Brian, and he couldn't tell them anything about TJ. Officers said that Brian's history of violence spoke for itself, and every crime he had committed over the last few weeks was by himself. It was a totally convoluted story, but they played along hoping he would tell them more. He let them know where Reagan's clothes were hidden, where the gun and shell casings had been thrown, and where her phone was. Lieutenant Brian Davidson, who was conducting the interviews, said his eyes were pure evil. There was just nothing there. 29-year-old Brian Goldsby was charged with the aggravated murder, rape, aggravated robbery, and the kidnapping of Reagan Tokes. Reagan Tokes. She was a fourth year in psychology here at Ohio State. The announcement was made on the Grove City Police Department Facebook page on Saturday morning. Brian Lee Goldsby has been arrested and charged with aggravated murder, aggravated kidnapping, and aggravated robbery. Goldsby has previously served time in prison for one count of robbery and one count of attempted rape. Police say they believe there may be a connection between Goldsby and recent attacks around the German village area. And now our thoughts are with Tokes' family and her friends today as they begin to start their healing process. Despite his denials, he went on to make two calls in his jail, one to his girlfriend and one to a friend, confessing everything. I did it. I killed that girl for money, he said. The police's timeline of events that evening was now almost complete. At 9.45pm, as Reagan was leaving her shift, Brian forced her into her own car and demanded that she drive to an ATM. At two minutes past ten, Reagan drove to a Chase bank, where she attempted to withdraw $500 for Brian, but this was declined. About ten minutes later, the pair were at Huntington Park, and CCTV showed Reagan again, trying to withdraw the money. This transaction was also declined. Between 10.18pm and 10.30pm, Brian forced Reagan to park in a dark alley, where he raped her. After this, he got her to go back to the first bank so she could withdraw $60. Between 11.12 and 11.41, footage from the gas station picked up the pair in the car again. Sometime between midnight and 1am, they drove to Scioto Grove Metro Park. He forced her to take off her clothes and start walking into the dark field as she begged for her life. He then shot her twice in the head before using her car to get away. He drove to his girlfriend's home and at about 1.45am they went to McDonald's together, likely to give himself an alibi. 
He later disposed of the gun and shell casings in a sewer before unsuccessfully trying to set the car on fire. In a final disturbing twist, Brian gave his girlfriend Reagan's purse and wallet as a gift, saying it was an early Valentine's Day present. One week after an Ohio State senior was last seen alive, her friends and family are saying their final goodbyes. This service, this celebration of life, was a chance to focus more on the Reagan tokes everyone knew and loved, and not so much on the sudden and violent way that her life ended. Friends describe her as an amazing, very loving, and happy person. From the church service in Maumee to a graveside service in nearby Perrysburg, Reagan Tokes was then laid to rest. All across Ohio, people have expressed feeling a connection to Reagan Tokes and her family. An online guest book includes many comments like this one from a woman in Grove City. Although I didn't know her personally, this story has touched my heart tremendously. My heart just aches for all of you, and even more so, Reagan. On February 15th, in the church she had attended since she was a child, Reagan's funeral was held. It was absolutely packed, with those closest to her, and those who had never even met her once or spoken to her. Brian arrived in court to hear the charges read out. Toby stood watching him through the glass. He said he was so angry, emotional and shaky, he was surprised he didn't have a heart attack that day. Toby said as everything started to come out about his past, it was as confusing that he had got away with so much as it was shocking. They had a monster in their grasp, in their control, and they let him slip, he said. The man accused of the rape and murder of OSU student Reagan Tokes pleaded not guilty. Despite his confessions and all the evidence, Brian still entered a plea of not guilty, and trial prep got underway. Three months after she was killed, the day she had been working so hard for finally came around, and it was a sombre and bittersweet moment for the students and university. Graduation day. We will also never forget the classmates who were taken from us too soon, who helped us shape our hearts and minds, and the degree Bachelor of Arts upon Reagan Delaney Tokes. Reagan's family stood in her place and accepted her degree posthumously. The emotion could be felt as everyone gave her a standing ovation. Her family's statement read, Reagan wanted to be a Buckeye ever since she was a little girl. Today her dream became a reality as she was awarded a diploma from the Ohio State University. As her parents and family, we are so proud of her and her accomplishment. The opportunity for a college education is a gift. Along with this gift, one must also have desire, dedication, discipline and determination. Reagan had all of this and then some. And so did all the other students today who received their diploma. We congratulate them on their achievement and ask that they take their gift and use it to make a difference in this world, make it a better place as Reagan wanted to do, but now isn't able to do so physically. In mid-March 2018, Brian's trial began. 
jurors began their day outside the courtroom. They were taken to the locations where investigators say Brian Goolsby, a convicted felon, kidnapped, raped, and murdered the Ohio State student. Prosecutors say today's jury view will help show the terror that Reagan Tokes endured on the night that she disappeared outside her job in the short north. Jurors were also shown the locations of two ATM machines where investigators say Brian Goolsby forced Tokes to try to withdraw money. They stopped at the alley in Marion Village where prosecutors believe Reagan Tokes was raped and Scioto Grove Metro Park where Tokes' body was found. A makeshift memorial was covered with a tarp during the jury's visit to the site. You solemnly swear the testimony you're about to give shall be the truth and nothing but the truth. Back in the courtroom, prosecutors called the witnesses who were first on the scene when the body was discovered. Also taking the stand were several of Reagan Tokes' roommates who described filing a missing persons report after realizing Reagan had not come home. And an undercover Grove City detective described finding the cigarette butt and burn marks inside Reagan Tokes' car. Prosecutors say DNA from the cigarette butt matches Brian Goldsby. The det- Detective also described the initial interview with Brian Goldsby after his arrest. First couple hours, he told us that he had taken Reagan into a car, had committed a robbery of her. He needed money. He, he took her to a, some, some ATMs, and then he said he left her naked in a field during a snowstorm. His legal team were up against it, given all the evidence. It was clearly a very strong case in more ways than one. So they were hoping at the very least to steer the jury away from the potential of the death penalty. He had confessed, so it wasn't really a case of proving his innocence. It was more a case of saving his life. They leaned on his childhood, saying he had an abusive mother and addiction issues. They also claimed he was raped himself as a child, although the prosecution said his stories were inconsistent. His lawyer said that the DNA that was found inside Reagan and on the cigarette butts was unreliable, as it was linked to a DNA profile of Brian from a previous crime in 2010. She also said that Brian wasn't smart enough to purposely plan such an awful crime, saying, I submit to you that if Mr. Goldsby didn't want to get caught, then perhaps he should have not worn the GPS bracelet. Not only that, he charged it. He didn't want to let the battery die but the prosecution said his level of intelligence was irrelevant and it changed nothing. He went out to hunt that night and he found Reagan Tokes. There's no mystery here, they said. We can track him at 9.45 p.m. at the precise place where she parked her car and at gunpoint was forced into the car by him. And this device tracks not only location but speed and within a couple minutes after 9.45, He's gone from walking about three miles an hour to moving at 25 miles an hour on 2nd Avenue after he kidnapped her and told her to drive to the bank where there was this attempt to withdraw, which was denied $200 because there are limits on withdrawals at ATMs, as we all know. Eventually, uh, $60 was withdrawn by Reagan Tokes. And we have a surveillance video of her at the drive-thru. You can see a shadow figure in the car with her. You can't identify who it is. But guess what again? At 10.32 p.m., that's exactly where Brian Lee Goldsby is. While she's withdrawing $60 from the bank. Later on, there's an effort to withdraw money from that location and a Huntington Bank uh, a short distance uh, from there. Again, 
When those attempts were made, which were declined, Ryan B. Goldsby's at those locations, the state, uh, as a defense, has this opportunity to tell you what we're going to prove. We expect to prove each and every one of those counts in the indictment and the specifications and expect to prove them beyond a reasonable doubt and expect also, in closing argument, to submit to you we have proven it, proven it beyond that uh, standard. We, the jury in this case, being duly impaneled and sworn, find the defendant guilty beyond a reasonable doubt as to count one of the indictment for aggravated murder. On what would have been Reagan's 23rd birthday, Brian was found guilty on all nine counts. But the jury couldn't agree on what the sentencing should be. Four voted for life in prison and eight voted for the death penalty. Today I would like to apologize to the Tulsa family for the crimes I committed against his daughter, friend, family. Um, when I first got locked up, I lied about everything. I said there was a TJ, there is no TJ. TJ's not real. I made a TJ up. Because I was trying to wiggle my way out of the crime. And I committed. But the only other thing I have to say is, um, please have mercy on me. All right. You can have a seat. Thank you. Brian was handed three life sentences without the chance of parole, and he was also later sentenced to a further 66 years in prison for the attacks and armed robberies he had committed in the days before Reagan's murder. He was sent to serve his time in Ohio State Penitentiary, a maximum security prison. His team filed a couple of appeals, but these were dropped and dismissed. County Prosecutor Ron O'Brien was disappointed, believing the death penalty should have been the only outcome and he continued to fight for the outcome he thought was right. In 2018, he filed a 53-page motion requesting a cross-appeal. This was based on instructions that the judge had given the jury, which meant they could consider mitigating factors presented by the defence that had in fact never happened. I think once the jury incorrectly hears that, then I think that uh, that the state has proven that our uh, uh, we have been impaired, and we have proven that uh, there was... Uh, prejudice to uh, fair consideration in that penalty phase. Things that Brian had said where he had presented differing versions of events and stories that could easily be picked apart by the prosecution were allowed to be taken into consideration. Finally, in April 2019, Ohio's 10th District Court of Appeals granted the state's authority to appeal, but the court ruled that the judge's instructions had been correct and proper. He filed another appeal, but to his disappointment, the Ohio Supreme Court would eventually dismiss the appeal completely. Ron said he was trying to stay positive, adding, the good news is that he will die in prison. After everything came out about the failings of the system, Reagan's family vowed to change it. The system is flawed and changes need and will happen as a result of this senseless tragedy. We will work our entire lives if necessary to make this happen, they said. And that they did. In 2018, they settled a lawsuit with the company that was housing and supposed to be supervising Brian. And in 2019, the Reagan's hoax law came into effect with the Ohio State Supreme Court ruling the law constitutional several years later. What had come to happen as a result of him not being properly monitored, checked on or recalled to prison when he should have been, had prompted a much-needed change in the law and how criminals are handled. 
the Reagan Tox Act allows courts to impose an indefinite sentence with a minimum and maximum prison term for first and second degree felonies when a life sentence is not possible. While Brian was incarcerated, he had committed 52 different violations and, as a result, was moved to five different prisons. But under Ohio law, this could make no difference to his sentence. In fact, he was released six months early. Under the new change, the Ohio Department of Rehabilitation and Correction can now change an inmate's incarceration up to the maximum sentence imposed by the court for committing crimes in prison or breaking rules. It would also hopefully alter how prisoners are monitored and housed after they are released, and this would include a change in the use of ankle monitors. From Jake's fundraiser and many donations, the Reagan Delaney Tokes Memorial Foundation Scholarship was set up. It allows two Ohio State students per year, tuition and accommodation. Self-defence classes were also offered around the area in Reagan's name too. The workout is a series of fighting skills and self-defense moves, one minute on a fighting skill, one minute on an explosive strength movement. A space at Scioto Grove Metro Park was created to remember the 21-year-old, and it was called the Tranquility Garden. I used to have this crushing sensation where I almost couldn't breathe when we would pull in, and I don't feel that any longer. Obviously, for us, you know, the pain and the tragedy never goes away, and we carry that with us every day. But we need to keep moving forward, and there is still an amazing, beautiful world out there, and we have to learn how to move forward, and we carry her with us in our hearts every day, and that will never change. Her family's hope was that the area could become a place of peace instead of associating it with the awful things that had happened that morning. There's a water feature which represents her astrological sign. Her favourite colour blue can be found all around it and there is plenty of wildlife and nature, which Reagan loved. There are also five buckeye trees, as a nod to her time as a student at Ohio State, which was quite simply her favourite place to be. Her ex-boyfriend Jake has not spoken out much since Reagan died, but he did talk about their first date, which sums up her character perfectly. We went apple picking and she saw this perfect apple at the top of one of the trees, and she just had to have it. The problem was neither of us could reach it. So I had the bright idea of putting her on my shoulders, but before I could even see why she needed this apple so bad, she proceeded to shove it in my mouth and make me take a huge bite out of it. I didn't know why she did that until she later told me she wanted to find the biggest, most red apple and give it to me so I could enjoy it. That was the type of girl she was, always thinking about others before herself. And when I say always, I truly mean that. From the moment I met her up until the last time I spoke with her, She was always making me a better person. I will always love her. She was my best friend and always will be. The last couple of hours of Reagan's life must have been so harrowing it does not bear thinking about. Her tearful pleas to be allowed to live, standing alone in a cold, dark field. Everyone had the same things to say about Reagan Tokes, and they were nothing but good. Deeply compassionate and kind, always seeing the best in everyone and everything, and someone whose potential to achieve and help so many was limitless. Her mother Lisa said it best, love will always overcome everything. Thank you all for tuning in. If you would like to support our channel and help us to continue to make our content, We have a Patreon with many perks including exclusive episodes, behind the scenes and ad-free early access.